Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Paul Holmgren. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Joel Farabee. Hi, this is Derek Broussard. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi. This is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Yes! Hope Springs Eternal here on the Only Flyers Podcast, the People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, the Prognosticators Podcast, PLA Podcast, the Only Flyers Podcast, Snow the Goalie. And look, you know, going into this week, I think there were a lot of questions or a lot of concerns. The Flyers were in the midst of a terrible losing streak that's uh, extended to 13 games. And um, a lot of people were very upset. But thankfully, uh, Chuck Fletcher and Dave Scott, a little uh, mystery guest here, an entrant to the Royal Rumble, decided to get in on the press conference. And now any concerns that we had have, uh, have been mitigated. They're gone. Absolutely gone. So we're going to talk about all the positivity we feel after yesterday's press conference. Let me first uh, introduce to you the men, the myth, the legend. We have Anthony Sanfilippo, follow him on Twitter, at Philly, and Chris Terrian Bundy, follow him on Twitter, at Terrian 6 Gentlemen, do you, do you feel the, the optimism in the air? Can you reach out and touch it? Do you feel it? Dave Scott saved the day. <laughs> you know what I'm concerned about, Russ? What's that? Your microphone. <laughs> Why? <laughs> the bigger than you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hurtful. <laughs> I'm done. It does done look like it right in this picture, right, Ed? Well, it's because the, it's in front of me. It's closer to the to the screen. The people who are watching on YouTube will understand. Those who are listening are just going to be like, "Wow, yeah." I mean, we knew Russ. Oh, no, the, 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 that those listening, those listening, <laughs> those listening are going to hear are going to hear. It's uh, it's not a, it's not your normal dulcet tone. Just so you know. Well, that's not good. That's not good at all. I'll have to like unplug and, and do, this is the problem. All of the Yeti mics, everybody I know who has a Yeti mic has been going through this nonsense lately where like the little plug on the bottom, it goes crazy yeah. and then the mic overloads. And if that's what's happening, then that's no bueno, but here we are. We'll figure anyway. it out, it'll be fine. So we've, we have a lot that we have to talk about. Oh, and by the way, and by the way, and by the way, Russ, it's a winless streak, not a losing streak. Buddy, it's a losing streak. You can call it what you want. <laughs> That's a, a progressive term for a losing streak. It's a winless streak. <laughs> it's a winless streak. Because, because those losses where you got a point, don't work. they're not really Before we start, I'd like to thank the current group for erasing my record of 12 winless. There you go. Thank there you, you go. very much. No longer <laughs> in the books. Next level stuff. This is good. This is why... My God! All right, so we, I mean, we have to. That's a, that's a good thing, Bunny. You know, you know, uh, Keith Yandel breaks the uh, consecutive games record, and Doug Jarvis. You know, he hasn't spoken in the public for what 15, 20 years at least, yeah. maybe longer. He finally gets to come out and say something. Here you go. It's an opportunity. Yeah, your your record, twenty two years old of, of of record of futility, gets broken. Now you can thank you can thank the uh, the current team. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I love it. <laughs> Guys, I, you know, I, I wanted to come onto this weekend and when we said last week that the goal was going to be, we, we wanted to go out of our way to have a, a conversation, kind of a, um, something based on what the fans have been expressing as a lot of 
disdain, a lot of sadness, um, a lot of mixed emotions, but they, they've continually gotten more and more negative. And we wanted to kind of make a, a cathartic experience for people. Tell us how you're feeling. Tell us what hope maybe you have for the team. And I, before we jump in, I'm sure everybody at this point has either seen or heard at least part of the Dave Scott and Chuck Fletcher press conference. I want to lead with, and I'm going to, I'm going to leave the person anonymous. I don't know if they were okay with us using their name here, but we got an email late last night. No, I'm sorry. We got an email this morning. And I think this probably touches on a lot of what people are feeling out there. And then we'll dive in and, and get into this press conference. Hi guys. I'm not sure if you're taking questions, emails, or tweets this week, but after yesterday's press conference, and allowing time for it to, to digest it, I had to email you. I felt disappointment as a kid when the Flyers were beaten in the Stanley Cup finals by Edmonton, Detroit, and Chicago, and had sadness in 1985 and when Pelly Lindbergh tragically died. Yet throughout the disappointments of Stanley Cup losses, untimely deaths, and bad seasons, I had hope until yesterday. If Dave Scott legitimately determined an aggressive reboot and uh, giving Chuck Fletcher a blank check is the path. I will quote, quote Luke Skywalker, this will not go the way you think. Even when healthy, as we saw last year, the team is not good enough. The core that Dave Scott promoted are all currently injured, and only three of the four will be at least 30 by the end of 2022. This team needs a total rebuild. The only true way to get high-end talent, Fletcher correctly stated, is through the draft. This offseason is the time to trade off key players for picks and prospects, be like the Rangers and send out a letter to the fans with this intention. I do believe the fans will be on board. As a fan, I am on the outside, but my perception is in addition uh, the, to the obvious on ice issues, there are problems with the medical staff and player development. I understand not all prospects will hit their ceiling. However, other than Carter Hart and Joel Farabee, what prospect will? Konechny and Provorov have regressed like Gossis Bear before them and players like Sanheim have been disappointing. Finally, if Dave Scott intended to build a bridge with the fans, he failed miserably. I have not seen anything so universally hated since critics savagely bashed cats. Uh, Geely or Caddyshack 2. Thanks for reading and keep reeking of awesomeness. I like Caddyshack 2 myself, but uh, you know, I'm in a very small minority there. <laughs> so there's, there's, a, there's a lot to break down in that. Um, Let's get into the press conference itself, because a lot of what that that listener touched on is what we saw on Twitter and on Facebook. And I mean, that was I'm sure you guys got DMs about it. I did as well. It, just a lot of people kind of beside themselves by by what happened. To be clear, earlier this week, it was announced that Chuck Fletcher would hold a state of the team press conference. We're just past the midway point of the season. It makes sense. They usually do like what quarterly um checkpoints throughout the season. So this isn't something that was like an emergency press conference. It really was state of the team and they're cognizant of the fact that it's over. So we expected Chuck Fletcher, but then the live stream came on and there were two chairs and the other chair was occupied by Dave Scott, who has caught heat, who's been memed. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there are now multiple accounts that make memes of Dave Scott being out of touch, messing up people's names, uh, it's good stuff. It's actually pretty funny. But Dave Scott came out with Chuck Fletcher, effectively gave him a vote of confidence, at least in the short term, um, touted Fletcher's accomplishments in the organization and building the hockey side, complimenting Val Camillo on the business side of things. 
I believe her name was mentioned more in that press conference yesterday than ever before in any press conference. Um, I think there are a bunch of reasons and we'll get into those in a little bit, but Dave Scott started off the right way. I thought expressing that the organization was angry, that he was angry with the losing. That's a good way to connect with the fan base. Everything that happened after that was an absolute car wreck. And you were in person did you feel like, based on his initial remarks, maybe we were going to see something or hear something out of Dave Scott that was going to connect with the fan base? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll be honest. I really didn't think it was smart at the beginning to have him there. Like, I was like, what? why is he here? Like, if he, if he has something to say, he should say something separate of this. This is not... Why are we trotting him out for, for this uh, press conference? But I will give him credit. I mean, the very first thing that he comes out and says, I thought he, he was, he hit it out of the park. I mean, he really said that the team, that he was angry, he's sick of losing and he apologized to the fans and told them they deserve better than what the franchise has been giving them. That's, I mean, you couldn't ask for anything better. Now, those were probably the talking points that he was given. Right. And, and those were the things that he said, right off the bat, but he, and he, he gave it to you. I'm sure there are fans out there who are going to tell you that it was just lip service and that's fine. Maybe it was that we, we could debate that. The fact of the matter is, is that if he comes out there and doesn't say that, well, then he's going to get killed for not saying it. So you're going to, people are going to kill him either way. I'd rather he get killed for saying it and saying the things that, that, that he's not happy that things have to change and that the fans deserve better. I'd rather he say that than not say that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that sure. that was the right thing to do, the right thing to say. From there, I, I felt like his answers kind of fell off a little bit, but I, I certainly feel like that first one by far was, was the best thing that he could have said and, and something that really needed to be said publicly. Yeah, you but know, I mean, guys, he, I mean, I, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Russ. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say that the other thing, and I think this is maybe something that, would be valuable for you to touch on. Not only did he mention the anger, but he also pointed out the fact that Ed Snyder had kind of instilled a, a certain kind of winning mentality and culture. And he kind of touched on the, the fact that the feeling was as if things are, are still being upheld that way. And that's why they're so angry because Ed created this culture of winning and it, losing wasn't part of his DNA and it's not part of theirs. Yeah. Your thoughts. So I'm, yeah. So um, Dave Scott has about as much chance of inspiring or pulling out the former, any mold of Ed Snyder than I am of being compared to Bobby Orr. Um, <laughs> it's just hard. I mean, I guys, honest to God, you know, people ask me, are you just a bitter former employee? And I'm going to say, you know what? I got, I love telling this story. I got fired by the flyers by human resources at five o'clock on a Friday, three months after the, that playoff bubble. I'm not mad about it. Cause I went out and I'm doing things I love doing right now. What I do and what I can't stand seeing is the fall of an amazing empire that was to this city. You know, this is of all the sports in Philadelphia. And I've been here now almost 30 years in this time, you guys were born and raised here. Anthony, you've been here forever, but I've, you know, I adopted a lot of the fabric of the sport of this city. I love going to Eagles games, uh, baseball games with the kids. It's just been part of sports in this city has been part of the fabric of my family as well. And what I've taught my kids, 
So when I see what I see and I hear what I hear, um, it, it makes me sad in a lot of ways because I saw what the vision that Ed Snyder had and the, the legendary fabled players like Bob Clark and Bernie Perron, Dave Poole in the 80s, they transcended time and they brought the same attitude forward. That really ended, unfortunately, when with Ed's passing, uh, but it ended a little bit before that when Peter Luco moved on and Dave Scott came in. Um, he hired Valerie Camillo, who by all accounts, if you check with people where she worked before, uh, it was never really a good experiment. She doesn't care about alumni. Uh, she doesn't care about the team. She cares about a mascot and photo opportunities. That's the bottom line. It's true. Everybody in the office will tell you that. These are not secrets. There's nothing inventive about these people. They don't have um, a great thought process. Otherwise, they wouldn't be putting stupid video games out in the, in the midst of a 12-game losing streak with gritty on it. You know, uh, I think that's another part of it. You know, people don't want to go down to, the, to Wells Fargo Center and watch a mascot running around and obscuring their seats or their view uh, to watch maybe a hockey game. That's become the focal point of the team. So when I hear Dave Scott going up and they're trying to, uh, you know, as I said, you know, clout uh, or, or, or bring back Ed Snyder in some form, it's just not Dave Scott. I know Dave Scott's great at a lot of things, whatever is, you know, when he's working for Comcast and in this interview, he's, been a, he's, a, he's a great, great figure for them. He's not a hockey guy. So I think what pisses people off is when they come on and they hear a guy who is trying to invoke the, the past, which is legendary. But unfortunately, guys, and this has been talked about by the alumni, and I get texts from alumni every single day that are as pissed off as I am at what's going on. And you know what? Someday I'll put these texts and tweets. Maybe if they ever did, I'll tweet them out there, and maybe that'll finally wake the flyers up. Because you know what? I don't know what I heard yesterday, except a bunch. It was it was all garbage. It was all garbage. It's not something I wanted to hear for the future of this team uh, from a non-hockey guy. It sounded like, honestly, God, it did. It sounded like Uncle Junior Soprano, that somebody had programmed, say, here's what you're going to say, and just stick to the script. Everybody's happy here. There's nothing to see, nothing to see. What I will say, guys, and uh, to finish off my, my intro here, you can be a crappy team. You can, it happens. You can be a crappy team. And, and every single fabled team has been crappy. The Detroit Red Wings, right? The legendary winner, you know, that beat me in the fire and our team that I was part of in the 90s went on to win four Stanley Cups, right? They became a shitty team a couple of years ago. But what they didn't become was a shitty organization. And that right now is what's happening to the Philadelphia Flyers by all their antics and all the garbage that they put on the side. The team stinks. It does. It happens. But never, ever, ever do you want to see an organization fall because of the product on the ice and the stupidity involved in, in, in the corporate management side of it. And that right there, in a nutshell, is what's happened to this team. And oh, it happened the day that Mr. Snyder passed. It did. Everything that everyone was scared of has come to fruition, and it's happened. Fabled alumni said, man, I hope this doesn't go the way that we think it might. And it did. It went exactly the way they didn't want it to go. And it's Funny probably is, one of the saddest in, things we've seen. In, in Dave Scott's comments, there was a, a moment that was brought up about the organization. And he had like a very detached response, one that was relatively tone deaf, and one that stood out as just being kind of weird. Um, he mentioned that it was a question that was brought up about the fact that alumni and people who had been associated with the organization feel like things aren't like they used to be. And that 
there have been negative things said. There's a negative kind of impression going around about what the organization is. And Dave Scott looked at the writer and then looked at the camera and said, the people who work in the organization think things are going great. The people who are on the outside, well, they might hear bits and pieces and they think things aren't good, but the people who work here think things are great. Okay, that's swell. I'm glad that you think that everybody thinks that things are going well in your organization. They don't, but that's fine. To me, I look at what he said yesterday. And to me, it's just somebody who is not in touch with everything that's going on. I have a feeling, I'm going to throw this out. And I don't know, there's never really a good time to throw this out. But here's where I'm at. This past week, especially, and it's been a couple of weeks, but especially this past week, there have been feelings going around that at some point, somebody higher up has to hear what's going on. Somebody has to be made aware of what's happening. Like when you start to have, I I said earlier this week on Twitter that like, it was nice to see other writers calling out Comcast. It wasn't the beat writers. They're still not there. At some point, maybe they'll come along, but it's easier to just like focus on the crappy on ice product and keep your credentials and all that. But people are starting to get more critical and it's across a lot of different groups that typically don't get along that are now critical of the organization and critical of the hockey ops side and the business side and everything, the whole, the whole thing, because when it's a shit show, it's a shit show. And that's what it is right now. And there's a small part of me that thinks, all right, whether it's Brian Roberts, who's at the very tippy top, who is above Dave Scott, who's the guy that installed Dave Scott into this position, I don't know if it's Brian Roberts himself. I don't know if it's people who are around Brian Roberts, but you have to believe that people who work for Comcast that are locally based are aware of the things being said about the Philadelphia Flyers. It's not just on podcasts. It's not just on blogs. It's made its way to WIP where, you know, Ray Dittinger and Glenn Mack now talk about how bad the Flyers are and take phone calls. I mean, how they were taking phone calls about how bad the Flyers were when the Eagles were about to play in a playoff game. That's how bad things have gotten for the Philadelphia Flyers. So I believe just, just, just so you know, it was also on 97.5. I want to point out it was also on 97.5 with um, Hunter Brody. Hunter Brody did a whole thing on it as well. So I just want to point out it's not just the one that one radio station, both radio stations had it. And so and and they're the flagship and they're the flagship. The thing that's crazy and the thing that makes me think that Brian Roberts has to be aware, right, is because there there's been so much coverage or there have been so many dissenting voices at this point locally, and now it's even made it nationally. It was on Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts podcast where they talked about it. They mentioned Bundy uh, by name as being somebody who had been upset with the way that the alumni game was handled and everything. So now you're, you're hitting on all these different touch points, right? And so my thought is Brian Roberts at some point had to have heard about it. And I don't think that Brian Roberts is a horrible human being. I think Brian Roberts probably didn't want to see this team become whatever the hell it's become. I think that probably from his perspective, he wanted to put some people into place to run it. You don't want to have to micromanage. Maybe Brian Roberts doesn't want to be Jerry Jones or Mark Cuban or an Ed Snyder. He just wanted to be able to hand the team off, keep it going, put a winning product out there. Let's have fun. Like let's, let's enjoy, let's keep rolling with this thing. So, so many people have been so negative about the team. I believe that Brian Roberts has to be aware of it. And it wouldn't surprise me if Brian Roberts at some point has had the thought go through his head. What kind of changes have to get made? I don't think Brian Roberts wants to pick the GM. I don't think he probably has many, you know, much in terms of feelings on Chuck Fletcher or the job that he's done in the draft. 
But if I'm him and I'm looking at the kind of heat that my organization now is taking, I'm starting to evaluate Dave Scott. I'm starting to evaluate Val Camillo. I probably am starting to evaluate the future of Chuck Fletcher or the future of the organization. And so like, for me, I'm kind of like, all right, was Dave Scott coming out yesterday? Self-preservation. Was this a move that Dave Scott was also aware of all the negativity that's been said? And Dave Scott doesn't want to lose his job. So Dave Scott comes out and says, we hear you. We're angry. We're upset because he wants to protect his own job. That's my thought. And there's one other thing, because I know this is long. One other thing. I mentioned at the top, he said Val Camillo's name many times. She's never been mentioned to that extent that many times in a press conference. And it makes me think, all right, he identified Chuck Fletcher as hockey guy and Val Camillo as business person. If I'm Dave Scott and I'm fearful that my job could be on the line, what's the easiest way to make sure I don't get canned? Redirection. Redirect the blame. You don't like the hockey? Chuck Fletcher. You don't like the business? Val Camillo. Self-preservation. Not a stupid move. Dave Scott is not a stupid man. He's not a hockey guy, but he is not a stupid human being. He's a businessman. He gets it. To me, him being there yesterday was far more than than happenstance. I think it's very telling about some things that may or may not be kind of going around. Interesting. Yeah, um, I'll chime in for a second here. You know, that was that answer that you brought up earlier. And I'm I'm actually going to read. I have Dave's actual words. I'm going to read. It's not that long, but I'm going to read what he said, because this was the one thing that he said yesterday that I just I was like, oh, man, this one, this one missed the boat. Like, you can't you can't say these things because it's out there. It's in too many places to to, to make us, you know, you're just trying to pull the wool over our eyes with this. So here's his quote. I feel if you talk to people, I want to get, first of all, before I read the quote, I want to give credit. This is a question from Dan Gelston from the Associated Press. Uh, uh, Dan asks, Dave, there's a perception among a segment of the fan base, among some alumni, that the current organization is too disconnected from the Ed Snyder, Snyder era. How do you see it? Do you sense that it's, that's out there? And is it fair? So here's his response. I feel if you talk to people inside the organization now, I think it's been pretty stable for a couple of years now. Whether it's on the business side, I've had Valerie Camillo. She's in her fourth year. She's a terrific executive. She's built a great team. And Chuck's been here now just about as long, I guess about the same time. So, no, I think if you ask anybody in hockey ops, they would say nothing's changed. Talk to the old timers, people that are still with the organization. I think if you're on the outside looking in, maybe you're hearing some things and seeing it differently. But with that said, you could always make it better. I want it to be a family atmosphere. I don't think it's changed. I mean, I've been living it for, I'm in my ninth season here. We just try to build on what Ed started. I will say this, Comcast has been the same terrific partner to me that they were with Ed. Comcast has been in this thing for 26 years as the controlling partner. And then Dan Dan follows up, is Comcast committed to keeping the flyers, no plans to sell? And Dave goes, absolutely, no, no. We are headquartered here. We have a lot of sports content throughout the company, and this is something that everybody gets excited about. So, go ahead, yeah, Anthony. So, so I mean, so I, that is where I think it's a little bit disingenuous. And, and you know, he does say the one thing he sneaks in there, he and, and it's you know, it's the, it's almost the one little acknowledgement, but then he lets it, but then he immediately goes back to you know everything's great again. Um, is when he says, with that said, you can always make it better. Um, but I, I want a family atmosphere. I don't think that's changed. 
So, I mean, that's where I think that it's like, you know, you're trying to pull the wool over our eyes. It hasn't been stable for a couple of years. There have yeah. been many people who've lost their job on the business side. The turnover has been ridiculous. Season ticket holders don't know who their uh, reps are anymore because their rep changes every three months. Yeah. Yeah. Their reps, they don't even know who to call. To, to, to talk and we hear about this constantly it's the they also complaint. have complained that there haven't been those town hall meetings that have been yeah, i guess yeah. part of the past and there haven't been as many of those outreach things to ask for feedback from fans it, it feels like maybe the organization is just so aware of the negativity that surrounds the season ticket holders right now and how bad things are they don't want to ask because the team's yeah. in a 13 game losing streak the team has been awful you're going to get hit with a ton of stuff you don't want to hear you're not going to find as many of the positive polys out there you know what i mean so Back to you. I was told recently that, you know, as these losing streaks pile up, that, um, you know, obviously fans are frustrated and season ticket holders are like, we're, we're not renewing. We're, we're, we're bailing on next season where, you know, they, they had until I think, um, I think it was early January. I forget what the exact date was to, to, you know, make their deposits for next season. And they said, well, you know, we're not doing it. And one of the things that the flyers are trying to do now to, to try and save these people, try and save these season ticket holders who are leaving en masse is they are offering them the pot, the, the, the option to just forget about the rest of this season and take whatever money is left on the tickets for left for this season and roll that in the next season. If they'll stay as season ticket holder. That's how, I mean, the, the retention, that's what retention is trying to do. You know, when you feel bad for these people, these are jobs and they're trying, you know, they don't want to lose their jobs. They're trying to keep people um, uh, as season ticket holders. And they got to come up with something, anything, any kind of plan or an idea to try and keep season ticket holders in place. And the fans are like, no, we're not doing it. So to address really what Russ said about, you know, Brian Roberts and Comcast, I, I think what's kind of like a sticky situation. If, if what I'm being told is correct, um, I think that they re-upped Dave uh, to a new contract early in the season, might've been October, maybe early November, um, which kind of makes things a little tricky. I don't know what kind of extension he got, how many years, what kind of money. I, I can't give you that, that much detail, but at the same time, you know, there's probably some kind of term with him. Um, I do know Val's contract it, it, it expires in June. And so obviously they're going to want, they're going to want to bring her back or she wants to come back. Um, what do you do with that? So, so that's why I think that there's a lot being discussed maybe behind the scenes um, and, and Brian Roberts and his group at Comcast, uh, the investors, they have to think about all this and they have to look at it. They have to weigh the budget. They have to figure out how much of this is worse than what they probably uh budgeted for or pre-planned, um, you know, uh, the impact of the pandemic, obviously there's going to be a little bit, we know that, but I mean, there, there needs to, how much of this is going beyond that? We know that's going beyond that, but how much of it is going beyond that? And can it be rectified in a short period of time? And if it can't, then maybe changes need to be made. And, and I, you know, Brian's a real smart man, talking about a real smart businessman. He's a guy who's always going to, he's going to, you know, do his due diligence and figure out exactly what has to happen and then make a decision once he has all the information. Um, and, and so I, like, I think that there could be some change, but there also might not be. Um, I, you know, you, you talk to a lot of people and you know, we hear things. We've been hearing a lot going on. Nothing that we can report on because we don't have anything solid. We don't have everything's whispers right at this point. And I will never, you know, and I, I know Russ is pushing. Come on, Ant, you can put it out there. Come on, Ant, put it out there. And I'm like, no, I, I won't. Um, I, this journalistic integrity thing that I have. So, so, so sorry that it still exists in me after, after all these years, but um, I, I won't put stuff out unless I, 
have it solid from someone, you know, who is part of the conversation and not just from people that hear things from around it. But there is, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. People are talking and this kind of stuff is being discussed. And and I got to wonder what what this Flyers organization looks like in six months, because I think that there's a good chance that it looks different then. And we're hearing different stories coming out of out of the, uh, the building in, in the summer than we are hearing right now. You know, the problem is, though, Anthony, and, and I hear you, and the turnover on, on the business side has been just unbelievable, the amount of people that have left. And I get texts from about probably half of them saying what a dumpster fire it is to work there. I mean, ticket agents can't stay. They say it's a brutal place to work. It's not fun. It's awful. Um, so, again, you know, when I, when I talk about the Flyers as an entity, um, as a, again, and when I talk, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, it's interesting with Brian Roberts. I know he doesn't have the time for it, but wouldn't he have been a better figurehead uh, of, of an Ed Snyder than perhaps anybody, right? Like he, right. he yep. has that presence about him. And I just don't think that he wants to step into the sun in that role at all. And I, and I, I respect that. Here's the problem with the team guys, as I've seen it. And I, and listen, I saw it when I was working there too. I saw the product on the ice, but I saw the stuff off the ice, which was like, I was like, Oh my God, like, this is just not what fans want. There was a relationship built somehow between this organization, and the fan base. And it, it, it was through its players. They made a family unit of the whole thing. It was a family. The, the, the lowest uh, ticket, season ticket holder paid the least amount of money, felt as connected to the great uh, Bob Clark as the, the, the richest guy in the seats, right? That's the way it was. It was a family environment. Snyder would meet people outside. He'd shake their hands, come into the building. They loved it. And they loved the players. And they still loved the team, even when the team was shitty. That was part of it. That's what Flyers fans always said. They would let you know they didn't like you but they still supported you, right? That was always the adage. What's happened now with the business side is they've taken it and they've fractured and broken the relationship between the team and the fans, and they don't care at all about it. There are corporate people that come in, and this is it all it is. It's count the money, count the money, count the money. Figure out a way to get to that end result of getting the money, and don't worry about how you do it. The thing with Snyder was that how he built the train of, was about through people, the people on the ice, the people in the stands, the people that ran the team on both sides, the hockey and, and the business. That's why everybody is so irate. That's why I'm irate because I see a disconnect between the relationship that was built over the years. And it's happened so fast, guys, that it, it's almost it's almost like a speeding train through everything. And that's why I'm so passionate and so disappointed and upset with Valerie Camillo and his staff on the business side because it, all they're doing is shoveling a mascot in people's faces of now what looks like 7,500 fans on a nightly basis. That, remember Anthony, we were talking a day or so ago before, 07, 07 was a terrible year. I was my first year of radio, or actually, sorry, I was doing uh, my first year of pregame live. And you know what? The team wasn't great. It was terrible. We lost two 10-game losing streaks. I was just, I just retired. But you know what? Fans were still going to the building. They were still passionate. There was still a flyer relationship with that, that audience that, had a blue collar feel to it that embodied what this city is and someone comes in from the outside that if you ask other people i don't want to call the franchise almost destroyed that franchise you cannot be here and understand that relationship with these people or philadelphia unless you have a historical background of working in this city or you're willing to listen to the people around you to to make you stay to put you in that right lane to do that you have to have a relationship with your fan base. And I've had people come up to me like, you know what? I got a $30,000 bill. It's the last time I'm ever paying it. 
you know, in terms of having four or six seats, I'll tell you what, I, that was one person I saw at a supermarket. How many of those people are running around the Delaware Valley right now that have been fans for 30 years, mm -hmm. have had family season tickets for years that are saying, you know what, I just can't do this anymore. I, 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 can't, I can't keep up with the DMs on Twitter. Yeah, I, 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 same here. There's so, yep. There are so many, and I try, I try to answer, but there are so many. And it's, it's, not, it's not just a handful of disgruntled fans. We can, we can, we've been saying this for a long time, but you could see it. I mean, the, so the attendance that they announced for, um, and, and we know that they're, they're not, that's not like the Flyers are, are, are trying to blow smoke. Every team in every sport announces the tickets sold. But the, the attendance that was announced for the Dallas game, I was actually surprised at how low that was. The announced attendance was 14,000. <laughs> I have a hard time, in all honesty, I have a hard time remembering an announced crowd that low. And, and so you know it's not 14,000 in the seats. I mean, that, that's what tick, that's tickets sold. So butts in seats is probably you know about 5,000. Usually you drop about 5,000 off of that number. So there was probably 9,000 people in there for the Dallas game. That's, that's unbelievable to me, though, that's that they, they, game. Had, they had 6,000 seats that went unsold. Like that, that blows me away. That's a number that I just can't, I can't wrap my head around because it, it never was that bad. Never, even in that 06, 07, it was it, never that bad. It is a product a little bit too, Anthony, right? The lack of the aggression. I mean, I get that a lot. Like somebody, you know, you get somebody saying, yeah, I used to go down there. I want to see someone's head get knocked off or yeah, see a fight yeah. or, a, or a brawl or something. And now, like, you just you can't bank on that anymore. You can have a bad hockey game with a couple of fights and you come out after and you're all jacked up. The fan base, there's none of that anymore. So it's not just all, you know, what's gone on there. There's been a little bit of, of the COVID, but also the product. The product is slipped, guys. Whether people want to be honest about it or don't, they can say it's more skilled. It's not. It's just there's more speed and more open ice. I want to throw one more at you, Bundy, because you were a rookie at the very end of a, of a bad stretch yeah. of, of Flyers hockey. They went five straight seasons without making the playoffs. Yeah. So you you were here at the very 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 end of that. Do you remember the spectrum being like nobody there even after five years of not well, making the playoffs? Yeah, and, and you know what? My first game was at the Spectrum against Quebec, and I and, and you know what was amazing? I'll never forget. Other than the fact that I was going to play my first game, but where the Rocky statue was in front of the Spectrum in nineteen that was January ninety five. Yeah. There was four thousand people in front of the spectrum as I was driving in, like two and a half hours before the game. It was the first game after that lockout, right? And, yeah. and, you know that, that ninety-four lockout, and I, and I was in awe of the fans that were waiting out there in January just to get back. And I listen, I know Eric Lindros was on the team, and it was his second year uh, on that uh, second or second year. That was actually that was everybody wanted year. to see him. But I mean, that, that was yeah. he was a huge draw. I, what am I saying is that the passion. And, and the way people were just were dying for Flyers hockey was something that I just couldn't believe. And you had to see with your own eyes to believe it every yeah. single night. And that was for you. That was after five consecutive years of not making the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that game. And that just goes to show you. I mean, that's, that's, that's the difference. And it, it's not that long ago. I mean, that's 20, what's that? 27 years. Yeah. It's not that. I mean, it's really not that long ago to go from being, that bad for that long. And this team was in the playoffs two years ago and we're, and we're down to 9,000 butts going into seats. I mean, that's, that's, that says something. Well, there's, All right, Russ, there you, are a couple been quiet I for mean, a while. There are a couple of things that, that are worth kind of pointing out here. One, because I, I want to just get it back to this and then go away from it and hopefully never come back to it, at least for the rest of the episode, there's like a misconception out there at some point uh, or got out there at some point that, you know, we target the business side 
because there's just this bitterness that exists between both of you having been employed by the team at some point, not being employed by the team anymore. And that we hated the hirings that they've made across the board because I don't know, they're, they're not part of the old boys club. That had always been the thing. And if you look at the people who are on the business side and we can talk like Val Camillo, whose name came up a lot, you know, there was this, I think there's this misconception out there that like, we hated the hire from the start and everything's been like terrible and like burn it all down. And I think at the time I even said, it's not a bad thing to go out and hire somebody who doesn't fit the mold of like what somebody who has been at the top of the flyers or Comcast looks like, right? Like hiring a woman, hiring a minority candidate, like bringing in a diversified opinion doesn't necessarily have to be a, a bad thing. In fact, in most corporate settings, it's widely encouraged. The problem is if you make the bad hire, like if, you're, if your goal is we're going to hire a woman or a minority candidate and they don't do a good job, well, there's still fair game to, to call out for not doing a good job. Like it doesn't make you misogynistic to say Val Camillo hasn't done a good job. We could just as easily point to, I don't know if I should say the name because if I do, we might get in trouble whatever. Mike Shane works for the organization. And Mike Shane once compared Philadelphia to Pittsburgh and said that Philadelphia fans are just like Pittsburgh fans. Also didn't know what the shift was. Didn't know about Claude Giroux's shift. He also works on the business side. I would say that those two combined haven't exactly done a great job of understanding what it is to be a Philadelphia fan or to be a Philadelphia Flyers fan or to understand and connect with the Flyers or with people yeah, who yeah. have long held this team. So there, like we, we can say, those are two people who work on the business side, who work relatively high up or work towards the, the top of that side. And like, that's why there's a disconnect. That the truthfully is it. And you continue to see it. Like when you look at attendance, what are some of the things that the organization has done in recent years to try to bring in new people? They've thrown a lot of money into renovating the arena. That's not just because of the Flyers. That's because they didn't want Josh Harrison company to take the Sixers to Camden. They needed to do something to at least sweeten the pot a little bit because the Sixers, for better or worse, on the, the Comcast Spectacore side of things, are a, a big ticket item. That, that's a big deal. You can't have the Sixers leave, especially when your Flyers look as bad as they do and the attendance is as bad as it is. They, they did the renovations. They added the scoreboard. Gritty came out. Gritty was kind of like a good way to distract you from the fact that the team wasn't good. But like what eventually happens is there's oversaturation. We've reached that point where people who typically were like, all right, well, this is kind of nice. At least like the kids like Gritty, like at this point now, it's just kind of like Gritty, who used to just be like the punching bag for people who are like bitter and angry is now kind of getting looked at by people who are typically like, oh, that's okay. To now being like, what the hell? Like, why, why is there a video game getting released in the midst of a 13 game losing streak? Now, was it a contractual thing? Was it just that the, like the, the people who developed the game were really excited and that's when it was supposed to release and, and that was it? I don't know. Should they have maybe waited until like the team had won a game or two? Probably, like if you could, it probably would have gone over better. Instead, what you have is tone deaf things. And, and what you have is like, were, were you talking about like getting DMs about people bailing on their season tickets? Go back and look at the tweet of the Gritty Snacks game. There are multiple people in that thread who talk about why they've given up their season tickets over the last year or two or why they're not renewing. And they're saying it publicly in response to the Flyers Twitter account. You might think that's nothing, but we know of at least one or two people who are season ticket holders who listen to this show who have been blocked by the Flyers Twitter account because they would tag the Flyers when they were upset with what was going on on the ice and with season ticket holders. So 
that that is its own thing. But there, there's something in there that is very important to point out because it was misrepresented woefully by Dave Scott yesterday and horribly so. He was asked about attendance, dwindling attendance and a message to the fans out there. This was his full response. When you're not winning, you don't have a good product on the ice. It's going to impact attendance. That is true. We're feeling it. I'm feeling it for the fans. You've got team performance. You've also got COVID protocol. Philadelphia is very tough with its vaccination requirement. That's impacting attendance. It's impacting the wings. It's impacting the Sixers. It doesn't help the cause. Bottom line is we have to uh, get better and we have to figure out how to win games. Here's where you falter. This is why you can't shoot from the hip if you're not capable of shooting from the hip like this. The wings attendance is bad. The wings also play lacrosse. That is a very niche sport. And we say that on a niche sport podcast. The wings attendance is what it is. You can't say the Sixers attendance has been impacted because we can look at this one of two ways, but either way, it ain't true. One, if we are to assume that the NBA and the NHL use the same metrics for attendance. So if you go and you look up NBA attendance and NHL attendance, you're going to see what are tickets sold, not butts in seats. If they announce, like Ant said, 14,000 the other night, but there are only like 6,000 people in attendance or 8,000 people in attendance, they're going to announce the tickets sold, the 14,000. If you pull up those metrics online, you'll see that like Vegas, I think is 104% or 103%, but people in Vegas who saw that, I think it's like a week or two ago that was going around on Twitter of like the highest attended games, people in Vegas were like, no, that's not true. Like they're, it, it's certainly not that packed right now. Those are just tickets sold. The Flyers, I believe, were like 16, somewhere between 14 and 17 on the NHL they were, list. They, they were 17. Okay. Because we said, we, we said that they were in the bottom half. They just weren't okay. in the bottom half. Yeah. So then you look at the Sixers. The Sixers right now, I think, are second or third in the NBA. Se- they're at, second behind the Bulls. And they're at, what, 100.7% percent of attendance yep. of tickets sold? Now, obviously, it doesn't mean that the Sixers have 21,000 people in the building, butts and seats and up in the Freedom Row, and all that stuff. It means that they've sold that many tickets. But if you've sold that many, chances are there are somewhere between sixteen to 19,000 people in the arena at any given time. And that's even on the low side, like maybe a, a midweek game or bad weather or whatever. This isn't a comparable thing. It's not hurting the Sixers attendance. The VAX requirement is not necessarily hurting attendance right now. It hasn't hurt ticket sales. And if you turn on a Sixers home game, you're not seeing the same massively empty rows and sections that you're seeing with the Flyers. So to me, if there was like one thing that came out of the press conference yesterday that I just immediately said, nope, we have lost credibility. We have absolutely in this one moment, burn it down. It was that. Because not only do you have Flyers fans, you also have Sixers fans going, wait a second, hold on. I've been to games. It's not like that. We actually had somebody who responded. I put the, the quote out and the tweet and somebody said, I'm a Flyers fan. I'm much more of a Flyers fan, live and die with the Flyers than with the Sixers. I've been to four Sixers games this year and one Flyers game. And then you start to see follow-up from people and you start to see these similar things emerging. Tickets for a Sixers game on the secondary market, I don't know, like if you're going to sit up top, maybe like 40 bucks, right? 40, 50 bucks, depends on the opponent. You want to do that with the Flyers, you're looking at what, $90? In a lot of cases, unless it's a last minute thing and a season ticket holder is really desperate and they try to sell it for, for less. But like for the most part, if you look at secondary market, the tickets are still exponentially higher. Sixers aren't having a great season either, folks. Like they're not the number one seed like they were last year. 
people are still going out because if nothing else, they believe that their team is entertaining, enjoyable. They can connect with that team. That team markets their players well, including their role players. They market them well. They don't market Franklin. You know who Joel Embiid is. You know who Matisse Thibel is. It's a problem. Um, you know what? There's one more thing on that, on that thing that kind of got me, Russ, and I agree with you, and I think we were talking about it earlier. The other part that I think is not only confusing to the fans, it was actually confusing to us, but I promise you it is going to be even more confusing to the players in the locker room. When you start telling people who the core of your team is and you really don't know who the core of your team is, you better be really sure that those names, you got those names right. Because I'll tell you one thing, if that's the core, two of those guys are almost 30 or 30 plus that he mentioned the core. One of them's played four games for the organization or whatever it is, a little, a, a very small amount of games in Ellis. Uh, Kevin Hayes has been out. He did not. It's and it, it's not so much the names he mentioned, guys. It's the names he didn't mention. Uh, that you know, quite frankly, yeah, I guess Proveroff at this point. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you can't really call him part of the core anymore. But Carter Hart was certainly one of those guys that was left off that name. I don't know if he forgot it. I just wanted your thoughts and sentiments on that for 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 the podcast because I I was flabbergasted, guys, uh, with the names that he put on that list. Faraby, I like. Uh, you know, he's a good young player. Um, but your core's got to have a lot more substance than the one that he mentioned, and and, and it'd be more age appropriate. Yeah, and drop I, the four I, names I, for the people. I'm sure they they're aware. But let's recap them really quick. It was yeah. he said Couturier, Hayes, Ellis, and Farabee, right? Were the four yes. names that he mentioned? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, Ellis is 31. I, Couturier, I believe, turns 30 in May, and Hayes turns 30 in December. Or flip flop those yeah. two. One's in May and one's December. So. They're practically them, so 30, and if you can make the case that Couturier has so many miles on his legs at this point that he's like 33, but whatever. Go yeah. ahead. Um, I, look, the way I looked at it, and I didn't even, I didn't even address it in, the, uh, in my recap, is because I just think it's one of those situations where Dave was trying to show you know, what, what he knew about the team and just kind of had a brain fart and forgot Carter Hart. I mean, there's no doubt Carter Hart is part of this core, right? I mean, yeah, you're right, buddy. That that's not going to resonate so well in the locker room, right? Um, and there's right. going to have to be some, you know, there's going to be some ego massaging going on. Oh, in for sure, right? Today's, today's a game too. You have to pull that guy in there and put him on the couch with a couple of therapists and tell him why he wasn't mentioned in the press conference. Everything's okay, though. We promise you, you're in the core. Yeah, just forgot. Yes, yeah. I mean, so I, 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 if I have to be honest, I think he just probably forgot the name. Um, but yeah, I mean, you should be, you should, when you're, when you're about to talk about the players that are going to be part of your team moving forward, you really should make sure that you know everyone that you want to in, want to include in that. I mean, that, have that, it on paper. Yeah, exactly. Well, guys, look, look at your phone the, if you have to. It's, it's okay. But Ant, you're saying that Dave Scott might've had a brain fart. Again, Dave Scott, whatever. Not hockey guy. Fine. Has, has tried. Listen, let's give, we're going to try. Give Dave Scott some credit, right? Came out yesterday. Dave Scott has worked with at least one alumnus of this team to try to like educate him on the game of hockey. Good on you, fella. Like, good. You recognize you weren't a good hockey guy. You weren't a very big hockey guy. You're trying. To that end, not being sarcastic. Like, good job. That's a smart thing to do. Who's right next to Dave yeah, Scott? I know. You're, you're going to try and blame the Chuck president for of the freaking team. The it's guy who hard. is one of the people 
who has to massage these egos. Yeah, he's right the there multiple times, Ant. Multiple times. They yeah, mentioned know, and and they mentioned Farabee. Farabee was like a double dip. Farabee was part of the core, and Farabee was also, well, look at this guy that we've developed. Look at this guy for the future. There were multiple times where Carter Hart's name could have come up, Ivan Provorov's name could have come up, and they didn't. I'm not saying that it's like some kind of master plan or that they're, you know, they're putting things in the tea leaves, that they're going to be trading these guys off or that they don't believe that Carter Hart's going to be able to have this kind of season again next year. But it, it's just kind of weird that the hockey guy next to the not hockey guy doesn't at any point mention him at all in the press conference. It's just weird. I thought it was weird. Strange. Well, I, I just think, I, first of all, I don't think he's, that Chuck f- would feel comfortable correcting Dave. I mean, one of the things we didn't even, we didn't even mention it in, the, in that opening statement, you know, <laughs> Chuck comes out after Dave gives that opening statement. And I felt, you know, he did the whole thing on, we need to congratulate Keith Yandel. And I kind of felt that that could have been, you know, you could have said it at some point in the press conference. It didn't need to lead off the press conference, but all right, whatever. Yeah, and this, then, is a, this is Stacey Andrews day. This is yeah. Stacey Andrews day. Remember that? And then when they lost then, Dawkins. Yes. Uh-huh. But then Dave, but then Dave comes back and, and mentions freaking Jerry Mayhew, and and Chuck, you can just see Chuck going, yeah, yeah, like almost like, all right, shut up, don't say anything else. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like, you know, what are you going to do? Like, you don't, he doesn't want to embarrass Dave because Dave's his boss. So like, he's not gonna, he's not gonna then say, you know, you know, Dave, differ- oh, well, you forgot Carter Hart, Dave. Like, he's not gonna do that. So Chuck, Chuck's a Chuck's a team player, and he's just going to hope that. Nobody notices, in all honesty. I mean, that's just kind of like, you know, he probably knows that we're probably going to pick up on him. He's just kind of crossing his fingers because he's in a tough spot. He doesn't want to criticize Dave there. And, and so that's why I don't I don't put that on Chuck for for Carter not being mentioned. As somebody said yesterday, Anthony, they texted me after, said Chuck didn't say enough and Dave said way too much. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, fair. And that's fair. pretty much pretty much what it was. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. <clears throat> Guys, if if we look at this macro view. And we, we kind of like zoom out on, on what happened yesterday. And we can get into other things if there's something else you want to dive into. But I, I said my thought right now, my hunch is that Dave Scott might be in self-preservation mode. He comes out, he talks. He, he gave a vote of confidence at one point saying, Chuck is my guy. He, he says, Chuck's my guy right now. He didn't say it in a way that was like necessarily the way that sometimes like a, an owner or a team executive kind of like hints that. There could be change down the line. Just said he's my guy right now. And I believe and blah, blah, blah. And I believe in the organization. I believe all the stuff. Is there a chance that like both of these guys are just lame ducks anyway? Like, is there a chance that we get to June and like one or both of these guys are gone? Or like if it, if it is only one, like if it ends up being like Chuck Fletcher becomes the fall guy for the hockey ops side, is it a situation where like we look back on this and this looks even worse or is it actually okay? Like if both of these guys are gone and they just kind of went down together yesterday, none of it really matters in three or four months. Like, is that an okay outcome? My thought is that what you're going to see, and they, you know, they kept talking about more changes or and, and this like again. And Bundy's right. Dave probably said too much. The first thing he said too much was when he basically when he basically said the coaches are being changed. And you're like, oh, that's a question for Chuck. But yeah, yeah, we got great options down, right? There's gonna be we mm-hmm. there's great options for the summer. And and, and Chuck's kind of looking at him like, we're really gonna do this now? Like you're gonna make me say that we're gonna make coaching change in the summer. But he says at some point, you know, we're gonna make changes to the front office and everywhere. And so with the front office, well, what does that mean? So 
I'm wondering if the change that's coming there is more like what you have in Pittsburgh, where Ron Hextall is the GM, but Brian Burke is the director of hockey operations for the team. Um, and we have it here in Philadelphia in both uh, baseball and football. Dave Dombrowski is the you know director of baseball operations, but the GM is Sam Fold. The Sixers, Elton Brand's the GM, um, but Daryl Morey is the director of basketball operations. Right, so so there is someone kind of above the general manager, um, which is kind of a new thing that's kind of happening in sports. I wonder if that's maybe where they go, um, and 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 bring someone else in to work with Chuck and help Chuck without him losing his gig. And I think that that could be a, a change that happens to the front office that also justifies the comment right now. Well, um, I know who that is. I, if, if you want to do it, you want to do it right. You know who it is too. It's Bob Clark. Yeah. Bring back Bob Clark, put Clark back in there or Luca or somebody that knows what the hell's going on with this city and the team and refire this thing up again. Cause it's a joke right now. And the whole city knows it. The whole, everybody in the friggin' hockey world knows it. It's turned into the, the, one of the greatest franchises in pro sports has turned into the laughing stock of 2021, 22. And it was a buildup to it that finally culminated to where they're at. Well, Bring let, back let, people that know what the they're problem, doing and have passion. For let, me, let, me, let me ask you this real quick, Bundy. And I think that this is, and Russ, I think you'll kind of agree with this because this is, this is me doing some outside the box thinking, Russ, which I know you love doing. Um, uh, don't you think that the league is pretty pissed off about this too, from this perspective, the NHL has a revenue share, right? All the teams share in revenues, the big flyers, the flyers for years, for years have been at the top of that chain of providing revenue to the smaller market franchises. And they're not going to be doing it this year. I mean, they're going to, they're, I can't imagine that they're going to have a lot of revenues to share with the rest of the league. So don't you think Gary Bettman and Bill Daly are sitting there in the legal offices going, what the hell's happening in Philadelphia? Why are, why are their numbers so damn low? Like, don't you think they make a phone call and, and, and say, Hey, what the hell's going on over there, guys, you need to fix this because they look at the flyers as a cash cow that they, sure. and they're not going to be one now, right? This is, this impacts the flyers being as bad as they are and having the, the, the kind of financial distress that they're having is bad for business for the national hockey league. Sure it is. Sure. So yeah, here, here's where I think the bigger problem lies. I think the chances of Bob Clark coming back in and being above Chuck Fletcher are practically non-existent. I also don't think that it's the right thing to do. I think that if you were going to do something that includes like a Bob Clark, it might make more sense for him to be in more of a role of like the Dave Scott figurehead of, of That's what the I top mean, there. a figurehead, but, okay, it, yeah. but if he's going to advise, but, but again, but, Bob Clark not, goes to every game, you know, which I just is fine, but which is, which is fine. But like, I'm not necessarily sure that like, if we're talking the hockey ops side about like scouting and, and all that, I'm not necessarily sure that Bob Clark should be that guy. He's, right, he was not, right. he was not infallible as a, as an executive. Um, I feel like what's more likely to happen if we don't see significant changes is like they look to appease the fan base with like a, a, a popular player. Like Ant mentioned Elton Brand. Elton Brand was a terrible sixer, but like was a likable enough guy and got brought back and had like good relationships with players and agents. Okay. Well, then Danny Briere ends up being the Flyers GM and Chuck Fletcher is the president of Hockey Ops. I don't necessarily know if it's a good thing, I don't necessarily know it, but they've been grooming Danny Briere in a number of different roles over the last four or five years. 
it makes sense that they would look to do that. And in fairness, this team has a history of taking whoever the GM was and elevating them to the president of hockey ops. They did it with Paul Holmgren. Didn't they do it with Clark before that? Like, th- well, this well, is kind of Chuck, like we've, Chuck is we've seen this before. Chuck is already the president. Yeah. Chuck is already the president. I just but I'm saying like, split. I think they're, they're going to they're gonna the end balls. up putting somebody under him instead of elevating him. They're just going to have. Or vice versa. They either go above not, him or go below him. Yeah, one or the other. I think I think it's possible that what you're saying. I think what you're saying, Russ, is a possibility. I don't think that that's, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. I think that the the notion that Danny was a finalist for the Montreal job um, really kind of opens some eyes here. That man, we don't want to lose him. We want to keep him yeah. here. So we got to find a way to promote him. Um, and I know that Danny's doing a lot of stuff. He's actually one of the things that hasn't really been reported is Danny's actually doing some amateur scouting for them right now. Um, and I was wondering if maybe his role would kind of be more like what John Paddock used to have. Remember, Bundy, you might remember when, when John was the, um, but he was a GM of the Phantoms Yes, when he was, when he was the executive, when he, after he was an assistant coach, they made him the, uh, the, uh, he was a quote unquote assistant general manager, but his role was general manager of the Phantoms. Uh, and I wonder if maybe that's kind of like the first step for Danny rather than just plug him in as the general manager but maybe more like an assistant GM who's in charge of young, like these younger players. It's part of development. He's been working. I know he's been out um, uh, dealing with Bob, like working with Bobby Brink, um, uh, Elliot Desnoye. Like I know he's been talking to like a lot of these younger kids that are prospects um, for them and, and trying to get them, you know, to learn how to be pros. So I think that that's maybe something like it's kind of a combination of management and player development. And then he's in line to go further down the line. I, I don't necessarily know. I think that Danny was a finalist for a GM job in, in Montreal because he's a smart business guy and, 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 he's, and he's really good, but more so because he's French. Uh, I hate to just say that, but they, they really were considering trying to find a French Canadian to kind of be in that role. Ultimately, they didn't hire a French king, which was kind of a surprise. Um, but at the same time, they definitely were thinking that way because they wanted Gorton was the English guy and they wanted his other the, the right hand man to be somebody who could communicate to the French speaking fans and the French population. That's not to say Danny wasn't deserving. He's absolutely was. But I think that that was kind of something that they were looking at and looked at it as a positive. Um, so maybe that's why we got to you know, we're, we're lucky that Danny stayed here in that regard. Um So maybe they, you know, hey, just let's get him. We can't put him in a too big of a position just yet, but I think we can get there. I I think that we can, we can kind of get there. And I think that's, you're, you're, you're smart with that, Russ, saying that. The problem though, that I see is the public perception issue that happens, right? Bringing Danny Bergeron as the assistant GM to the current GM who people, many of whom have lost faith in, or aren't sure should be overseeing what they believe should be a rebuild doesn't do enough. Like, For better or worse, somebody has to be collateral damage. Somebody has to be sacrificed for the last few years in in the court of public perception. What if you do this, Bundy? Instead of of throwing Bob Clark into that spot, he stays as an advisor, right? But what if a guy who's won a couple of Stanley Cups in recent years, who's also on the payroll currently, is elevated to that above Chuck spot in Dean Lombardi? Yeah, his name's being tossed around. It's been been associated around here for a while now. Um, I mean, he's an advisor. He's just a senior advisor at this point, but he's a GM who won Stanley Cups. He did, and not um, that long ago. Yeah, the, you know, he's a well-respected guy. Uh, he was 
He was a Hextall guy, like him and Hexy were partners, right? So, yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, you know, with going back with Clark, he said about three weeks ago, kind of uh, raised his eyebrows. But, yeah, I, you know, Anthony, I, it's not so much that Bob, Bob Clark still knows the innuendos of, of the sport of hockey, and he, he'll never lose that. I just feel like I'm just saying for optics purposes. Yeah, for op. Well, I, and, and that's why I said it. Like I said, bring bring in Clark or Luco, somebody from the damn area that played and understands the fan base and the organization and its roots. Um, maybe maybe it's Dean and again. You know, guys, when I talk about hockey in this town, like it's not Chuck. I you know, people get hired in hockey jobs all the time, right? Uh, and 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 you're gonna have a rough team once in a while. That's where they're at. I I just think that this team needs to get back somehow to its roots under this new management of the business side. And I really feel like a guy like Bob Clark, who, you know, I've heard rumors he's he's voiced his opinion and sometimes disapproval clearly of the team through the Hextall comments. But I just feel he's a guy that's just been so impactful and is and is it really is the greatest flyer, you know. And if he's still there and has passion for it, I mean, that may be the the part that reconnects the fans a little bit to the organization, but they got to stop doing the other crap they're doing or it's still going to piss everybody off anyway. And I will say this, and I think it's fair to say this, and I don't think Bob would be upset if I said this. Um, I reached out to him because I had been hearing some of those same things that you had heard. And uh, so I sent him a text um, just asked if we could talk. And I, you know, I even offered to, to just talk off record and he, he responded back, you know, he appreciated me reaching out. But he said, I think it's best that I don't say anything at this time. And I thought that that was kind of an, an interesting response. You know, it's almost like I, I could if I say anything now, it could only lead to, you know, mis, misunderstanding of where things are going to go. So it's probably better to not say anything and just kind of let the chips fall where they're supposed to fall. And, and I appreciated that. And I told him, I, I thanked him for, it and I told him we'd follow, you know, we'd check in later. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, I, I, you know, we're hearing the same things. I don't know where, it, I don't know who falls into what spot, where or when, but I do think that there are people that are kind of pushing for different things on, on the backside. Let's just put it that way. Here's the, I guess, maybe the, the final thing that, is worth discussing from this press conference yesterday. Dave Scott was presented with, or he might've actually said it unprompted the timeline, but he said, we don't believe this is a three to five year rebuild. We don't believe that it's a longer rebuild. He, he talked about retooling. He mentioned the four players that he did as the core, which also happened to be three guys, two of which have contracts that are going to be almost impossible to move, even if you wanted to. Um, that's not what people wanted to hear. You don't necessarily have to appease the fan base that are very unhappy with the direction of things. Uh, obviously, this led to people saying you're, he's right. It's a seven to 10 year rebuild, which I'm sure got Anthony really excited. But like Chuck Fletcher said that the, the best place to get talent, to get top end talent is the draft. He admitted it. And you have a bunch of contracts that are going to be really difficult to move and Conceptually, if, if the Shane Goss to spare move out West this past off season is any indication to get off of some of these kind of contracts in the flat cap era stands to reason that you might have to uh, attach draft capital to some of these deals. If you were to move them, which could be a problem unto itself. Do you get the feeling that there is a, a bit of middle ground that maybe they would be committed to a two year rebuild that I've been begging for bottom out for two years or be very bad for two years, 
to try to get the top end talent. And meanwhile, you know, you can pass on the idea of we're retooling. I see Ant shaking no. his head. No, okay. no. So do, do I think it could be a two year thing? I think it can be a two year thing, but I don't think they're going to bottom out for next season. Or at least not purposely. Yeah, you have to be bad enough to go all the way down They're Unfortunately, this team, they're just not quite bad enough yeah. to go all the way down to the bottom. So that's, you know, again, I mean, like I said yesterday with the surgery, so you're talking about the guys that may have to have surgery. Get the surgeries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't need Coots back this year for 39 games with a team that's going nowhere. Uh, or Hayes is the other one, right, I believe he mentioned? Or Ellis. Or else, else. So give the, yeah. them all surgery. Surgery for everybody. Bring Oprah in. You get surgery. You get season-ending surgery. You get surgery. <laughs> yes. Everybody gets it's like, surgery. You get a bunch of healthy guys. Like I don't need surgery. No, you're getting it too. Everybody's like, yeah. But and isn't there like, it, like, wouldn't the theoretical middle so, ground though be you? I'll give you the I, I understand I'll what give you're the saying. The the optics of the the optics of bottoming out are bad, and they also have contracts they can't move. But like, could you keep some of the guys with with money, like an Atkinson, mm-hmm. who like are good enough mm-hmm. to make you not an embarrassment, and, and like maybe you do a better job of marketing Atkinson for next year? He's not a player that takes you to the next level, but he's also like not a guy that is going to do so well that he prevents you from being the bottom. Does that make sense? Like, is that maybe the yeah, middle so ground? Here, the middle ground is this, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna map it out to you because I, I did a little research and started playing around with it, and, and this is what I came up with. So as of right now, next season, the Flyers, with the money that they have committed to players for next season, the Flyers would be $14 million under the cap, okay? The cap maybe goes up slightly next year or if it stays flat, whatever. So you might get an extra million in there, maybe, okay? Let's just say. Um, so what you do is you, you get rid of all your UFAs here at the deadline. Um, you get some assets. Obviously, Giroux is going to bring you the most um, you, you hopefully get a couple draft picks, a prospect and a player. Like, I mean, I think you, that's, that's fair to say that Jeru's got that value. Um, so I think that that, so that's, you know, your major return. And then, you know, the other, the other guys maybe get you a middle round pick or whatever, get you assets to kind of build for the future. That's fine. Um, and then if you go into the off season and, and maybe you move one salary, whether it's a Provorov or a Sanheim or a Konechny, you try and move one of those that has a, that has value to other teams. You're not going to move Hayes. You're not going to move JVR, um, but you move one of those contracts and whatever you get in return, you get in return. You buy out JVR, right? And then your RFAs are guys that aren't going to make a lot of money. I mean, it's like the Wade Allison's, Tanner Lachinsky's. I mean, these guys, you're going to bring them back, but you're not bringing them back for big money. So you're really going to have you could get yourself to 20 million under the cap going into next season. You have an opportunity to sign some free agents to get creative and bring some players here while keeping these other players who are decent NHL players. You just don't have that next level talent. Right. So you're going to end up with a top five draft pick for what it's worth. I mean, I'm not certain that this is a great draft year, but you're going to get a top five draft pick. You're going to probably get a, a prospect for Drew and maybe another NHL type player. Maybe you trade a player and get a player back and then you can go get two to three free agents. You have the, the wiggle room to do it. It doesn't make you a Stanley cup contender next year, but it makes you a better team than what you are right now. And so the two year plan then becomes the following year, you take that following step to try and become the contender, right? You, you, you get to yourself to a point where like, okay, we can get back to the playoffs next year. And then the year after that, you can get, so that's the two-year plan. That's how you could do it in two years. I don't think that you want to go to, and, and Chuck even said it, he doesn't want to bottom out. Because bottoming out 
the, the, the example that I've been giving to a lot of people lately is Colorado Avalanche. They were the worst team. They were the last team in the NHL to, do, to have two 10-game winless streaks in the same season. And that was 2010-2011. They were the worst team in hockey. They bottomed out there. They got the first pick in the draft, and it was Gabriel Landeskog. Hell of a player. Still their captain now, right? Great player. And over the next couple of years, after they bottomed out, they were able to get Nathan McKinnon and, and Miko Rantanen. And a few years back, they got Kale McCarr, who should be a flyer. Um, but they've got, they got elite-level players. They got those top-end players. And here we are 11 years later and they haven't reached the Stanley cup. Yeah. Even though they've got those top end players. So there's no guarantee to it in, in that amount of time. So I just use that as an example. They're a good team. They're a contender year in, year out. And then they will be for the next, you know, handful of seasons, but they haven't gotten there yet. And, And that's the one thing that that's why teams don't general managers don't want to take that path because you, you could end up being a decade or more and still not get to where you want to go. Here's here's an interesting th- uh, thought, Anthony, and I thought you you kind of saw it with more optimism than I do because the the biggest problem I have with the team right now, and and you're going back. So when I after 90, 1997, every free agent that was an unrestricted, it was always talked about the first team on the list, the Flyers. Yeah, is that player going to go to the Flyers? Yeah. So. The one thing you have to realize now is people are not flocking here anymore. Correct. Nobody is, is like, Correct. oh, I can't wait till the season ends. I'm going to take an offer from the Flyers and make that team better. And they were always star players. I mean, look at everybody that came here that was the hottest free agent. Luke Richardson was one year. Jeremy Roenick. Everybody wanted to come to Philly. That's not the case anymore. Yep. My other issue that I'm, I'm scared of, and I'm not really super scared of it, uh, Jeru's an unrestricted free agent. If you can get a player and a good prospect, Anthony, out of that, that would be Chuck's great moment in the sun for me if he can get a player and a prospect i think you're unfortunately i think it's going to come down to picks because there's going to be unless drew wants to be extended i just think four pieces being two picks a prospect and a player may be asking and uh, is an abundantly too much for a guy who's an unrestricted um but the other problem is all those scenarios you have i like it in a perfect world and, and again i don't know where that perfect world exists anymore in the nhl because it's that's not the flyers that they were 20 years ago and if you have to be creative. You have to have good guys. When those players come in on visits, you've got to have somebody right there swaying that guy instead of just taking him for a steak dinner because it's that, that important now, the recruiting of guys that come in and visit you before. So, again, it's not like we're waiting for the offer. Yes, I'm going to sign in Philadelphia. Times have just changed so dramatically for what this franchise is that that lineup does not exist anymore. So you have to find more ways to be creative. And sometimes that involve, it, uh, involves what other teams have had to do before, and that's overpay players to come here. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and you're and you're right. You're absolutely right about that. They have they haven't right have one that. of those right now, right? Playing center. Yeah, no, you're, you're well, absolutely. Yeah. You know, in theory, would be playing center if he were healthy. Right. Sure, but but I think but when I you know when when I look at it and look, are there going to be? I don't think that there's going to be any superstar players that are going to be free agents. I mean, obviously, everybody's going to want Johnny Gaudreau, right? I mean, he's probably the biggest name free agent that's going to be out there. I mean, unless unless I guess. Pittsburgh doesn't really sign Malkin. Was Malkin? Yeah, yeah but Malkin's Subban. also thirty. Malkin's also thirty-five. I'm, I'm talking about Kessel, players. Letang, I'm talking about players that are. Yeah, they're Flurry. old. Though. I'm talking about. Play, I'm talking about players <laughs> that are guys. Players that are guys who you can who you can look at to to be here for several years, and and you can probably try and sign. And if you look at them, I mean, Gaudreau's probably your, your best, but I don't think that that's the kind of player. You, no. you did hear Chuck talk about how he wants to get bigger. He wants more physical players because they don't have that. They don't, they don't have that right now. And so, you know, do you, do you look at 
you know, I, I, I don't know. Do, do you look at, um, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know who you look at in free agency. Maybe those guys are acquired via trade, but maybe if you're, if you're adding players that you think can help this team that are, that are uh, of an age that makes more sense, do you go Timo out and Meyer. try and sign a Phil, like a Philip Forsberg or a Thomas Hurdle? I mean, they're not Timo, big. Thomas Hurdle is the one that, that's, but they're not, they're, they're good players. They're not star players, right? Ant? Right. But that's what I'm saying. Excellent players. Yeah. If they get inflated money to, if they get inflated quasi star money to not be star players, that's how you end up where the Flyers are right now. They have a number of those guys on the roster. Yeah. Like you can make the case. And and, well, like part of this, but like James and Reem Sykes overpaid. Kevin Hayes is overpaid. Sean Couturier's contract is not a good one. Will not be a good one. It, 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 the way that it trends right now, it looks like it could be bad. And they're all getting paid somewhere in that, like, Upper mid tier, lower star salary territory. We're going to obviously keep like two million more than those players, right? Yes. Like, yep. The they're not. They're not making ten million. They're not like the the Braden Point or like the Austin Matthews kind of deals. But like they, they're not cheap contracts. They're they're contracts that you should be paying to a guy to get you over the hump, not guys that you should be giving that money to, to to build towards a playoff team. And that's the, that's the problem. It's just been a lot of not great contracts and overpays of different length and, and AAV that have led you to the point that you're in right now, where even if you did want to tear it down, you can't, or it's going to cost you the draft capital that you theoretically want to use to invest in players or picks or for acquiring stars or to package together to move up in the draft. That's why they're in this like weird kind of predicament. That's why Anthony's situation is in play. My situation is in play. Bundy, like some kind of, thing in the middle could theoretically be in play it's a very frustrating place to be in and there are no quick fixes and right you look at the free agent list the ufas there are not players on there that if you just plugged and played a little bit are going to make a difference i want to ask you guys this though because we expect sharu to get moved i think there's a good chance that rista Linen is going to get moved we talked in the past about braun maybe gets moved there are other guys on this team who theoretically could get dealt at the deadline it seems like the, the consensus right now among a lot of scouts is that the 2023 draft is shaping up to be better than the 2022 draft, at least at the top end. If you're Chuck Fletcher, this is a very complicated scenario because if you were to survive this year, it's very hard to imagine you also survive next year if next year is equally as bad. If you're trying to make the best deal for the organization, are you pushing a Claude Giroux suitor to give you draft capital for 2023 more so than get the immediate return of the 2022 first round yeah. pick or something to that. Yeah, I, I, well, I, yeah. Think, I think Chuck's going to do two things. I think he's going to, I think he does want 2023 draft capital, but I think he also looks at it and says he has no two, no second, no third rounder this coming year. He'd like to at least get one of them back as well. So I think that, I think that, that with all the trading that he's going to do, Somewhere he'd like to get either a second or a third in 2022, but the rest, yeah, he would absolutely prefer 2023 draft capital for sure. Yeah. I I don't pay attention to the drafts at all guys. So if that's what you tell me, I'll believe you. Russ, like whatever, they're 18 year old kids. It's a, put them in a bag and I have names in a hat. Flip them <laughs> up in the top 10. It doesn't matter. Well, no, but Bundy, what, you know, the, the one thing that that's kind of out there is that this this draft is kind of like the so um, it's not a great one, right? They're comparing this one to the 07 draft, which is the Kane JVR draft, right? right which is right. not a great one. Right. But then they're comparing next year's draft to the draft where they got 
Flyers got Richards and Carter, which was a great draft. It was really deep. Like, I think it was 28 of 30 first rounders played 500 games in the NHL at least or something like that. It was like, you know, that's what they're looking at next year's draft being like. So that just if you listen to the, the, the pundits that are out there. Okay, so that's well, where we're at, guys. Moment, so I'm listening to you. I believe you. <laughs> do we? I don't. I don't watch these guys play either, so I don't know. Do we feel I better? Never... Do we? Do we feel better after yesterday? Now that we've talked this one through, is there anything else that you guys are are upset about? Were there any other things that were brought up in the press conference that you want to talk about? Do we feel okay? I, I just want to finish with this because I actually got to go to work, guys. But I, you know, I, do, I the one thing I don't want uh, through this process, and I know it'll be a process and, and Chuck's got work to do. And, and if he's the guy that's going to make those decisions at the end, that some of them are going to be hard decisions. I don't want to see the organization and the fans rooting for them to lose for two years. That's the wrong thing to happen. I've seen it guys. I travel, I've traveled around the league and I've seen all the teams I've been in everybody's building. And I've seen that kind of attitude, that loser attitude, and unfortunately, it is so contagious that it just spreads like a wildfire through the entire base of the team. And that's really where I'm, I'm terrified right now because I, I'm afraid of the Flyers, the apathy uh, that's going to set in and the disinterest of all of it, I think, is really starting to happen at a level that this organization has never seen since its, uh, its founding. And when you get an organization where the, the management and the fans alike are rooting for losses, it's the worst possible thing that can happen to your team and organization. And I, that's the one thing I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. It's a mentally fragile group as is, right? We've seen it time and time again for the last few years. There are a bunch of guys on this team that just do not have the ability to take constructive criticism. There are guys on the team who are probably not the most coachable. And there are guys on the team who feel entitled to not be questioned. If this team were to start going down the tubes the rest of the season, there's a chance this gets ugly. And everybody knows that Mike Yo is out at the end of the year. There's no question about, is AV coming back for another season? Yo is donezo at the end of the year. He's done Yo at the end of the year. So any authority that he might otherwise possess as an NHL head coach or any equity that he should have been building up over the last few years could very well go down the tubes the second this team starts selling off pieces. It is not a fun position to be in. It's especially worse when you consider that fans are going to probably start to actively cheer against the team at home. Like once those, those pieces are moved and it is very clear that they're going for a top pick, you're not going to see this fan base for the most part cheering on wins. They're going to be very vocal about the fact that they're unhappy. The team is winning. This happened with the Sixers. It will happen again with the Flyers. Yeah. It's, it's inevitable. I want to, I want to throw one last thing at you, Bundy. Speaking yep. of speaking of the next coach, you know we remember we joked a few episodes back about but, um, Chief in St. Louis, yeah, and uh, how uh, he, he, you know he's his contract's running out and ha ha ha, wouldn't it be great if they bring him back, kind of thing. So here's here's a little nugget that I found out: St. Louis Blues have a budget, hard budget, and they won't go off of it. No, and I this don't. is. This is something that they do. Um, I, I have a hard time believing, especially if he takes him to the final again this year, maybe wins another cup. How do you not retain that coach? But if they're if they are operating on such a hard budget and, and Chief thinks that he's worth more, could he do like a Barry Trotz and walk away after you know winning a, after winning a Stanley Cup or after having a successful season and I'm find not, the money somewhere else like I'm not Philadelphia? Gonna... 
I don't want to say anything about that, Anthony. I mean, Bruby is one of my best friends in hockey, so I really wouldn't know anything about any of that. But, um, you know, it's an interesting theory. Yeah. It really is. Very, very interesting theory. Never heard it before. Never <laughs> heard that concept ever. So I'm, that's pretty interesting. Thanks for sharing that. I'm going to actually ask Chief about it. Maybe see what his thoughts are on it. <laughs> anyway, right, before, Ross, you want before to we head out? I like, have, I like what you did there. It was good. Good. Ross, Before you want to we head through, out, uh, we have we have some five star reviews we have to get to. I don't reviews. remember. If, yeah. I don't remember if we read this one. Uh, this came I about. Have, a I week, think we have seven. A week and a half ago. This one's from uh, Major. I think this is Major at Four. Uh, finally, a podcast that delivers on the flyers. Five stars. Just discovered this podcast recently, and the revisionist history episode was the best I've heard in a long time. It's refreshing to hear the truth about this team, which matter, uh, which matches what my eyes have seen for a long while. I'll be looking forward to more great episodes. We then had uh, Bax22. Hmm. I was unsure of your podcast, especially after you added Bundy. At times, he seemed to come across as a jaded former Comcast employee. But I listened and listened and began to see a lot of what you say and are saying is true. I've been to every Stanley Cup final since the 80s, four, and saw them lose to the Russians. And the current ideation of this team is soulless without an identity. I believe that this stems from the current ownership that seems to have tried and successfully so to divest itself from any of the history the club has in an effort to be vanilla, I guess. Anyway, keep calling it like it is. Look at that, Bund. You converted him. How about that? I, yeah, I mean, it's converted. You know, and I think the one thing is like we... I love hearing stuff like that, you know, like, I mean, I, you know, I, I was, when I broadcasted, I always called things the way they were. I'm not going to change up here at, at all. Any different, what we do here, yeah. Anthony or Russ, like yeah. we say what, what we see is right. Tom fan eight, 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 eight says brutally honest, five stars, not afraid to tell it like it is the team stinks. The front office stinks more. And here we all are wallowing in our misery. Segments include Russ's rants, Bundy's beatdown recaps, and Anthony's disappointment of the week. On a serious note, <laughs> Bundy's addition to the pod has been great and love the insight from a former player. Go Flyers. Good good. I like Thanks, that. Uh, the best Flyers podcast from K215P. The best Flyers podcast. Best Flyers coverage you can get. They're not Homer fanboys like other podcasts. They give credit where it's due and criticism where it's deserved. Tarion is the best, provides knowledge from his years of playing experience uh, in the NHL and for the team and throws in some good stories that relate to the discussion and Russ call it like it is good or bad with uh, articulable facts. Okay. Articulable. How do you like that yeah. word being thrown into a never movie? heard that one before, I, know, I, but I just saw it. I'm like, geez, Louise. <laughs> all right. Uh, CDN 5150. This is from up in Canada. So you can't see it, nice. but I can't. Oh, uh, there is very little to look forward to in flyer land right now. The team sucks. This podcast is run by three beat reporters of the Flyers, but also three guys who actually give up about the team. The uh, term negative bounced around in my head a few weeks ago until I realized how bad this team really is. So negative became realistic, exhausted, and defeated, like most of this clown show fan base, of uh, this clown, clown show's fan base. This podcast shows us that misery really does love company, and hopefully better days are to come. Thanks, guys. P.S. Bundy, accept my friend request. Ha ha. So somebody... <laughs> Tried to friend Somebody's you on trying Facebook. to trying to find you on, on. Yeah, you send me his name later, and I'll and I'll accept that. I some. Okay. I mean, I think I'm up against it, but <laughs> all right. Uh, five five stars. Snowing by Comrade Vladimir Baby Cake Spy. That's a hell of a name. Do we read it like a Russian? 
Loving the frank talk. Need more of that in life. <laughs> what Clark said to had, uh, be said by someone. I think Clark just likes Shen. This trade makes sense long term. And if the Flyers were contender now, then I would rather have Shen. It is what it is. Not a bad trade. I think Clark is telling the truth about 2017 draft. I remember watching it live. Hextall had a very disappointed disposition on the TV. Also, someone asked if he loves hockey. That question alone would have taken him off my board. Attitude is so important, not just in hockey, but in life. If you don't love the game, you cannot be great or maximize the gifts you have. O'Brien at the time seemed boomer bust. That hasn't yielded a lot of depth, though, so far. <laughs> that pick really didn't set us back. Anyways, just because I spy on you doesn't mean I don't care. Toodles. Now I got to get to a hockey game with Putin and let him score nine goals. <laughs> do not let or him score. He score on his own accord. He is great player. <laughs> you are a bastard. Russ, that's your shining moment right there, brother. Best Russian impersonation I've heard in a long time. There you go. And we have one Thank more, you. Russ. We have one more. Yep, last one. Fly Guys, five star. He was an interior decorator. Been, listen, uh, been a listener and follower since day one of this pod, but Bundy's saying the Flyers are run by Livia Soprano. Chef's kiss. <laughs> so there you go. Big thank you to all those five-star reviews. That's great. Love five-star reviews. They're, they're fantastic. Uh, we are up to 234 five-star ratings, 235 star reviews. Make sure you go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review. You can go over to Spotify. And if you go to the show page, not the episode, but the show page itself, the Snow the Goalie page, you can leave a five-star rating underneath the uh, the name. So that would be swell as well. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow us all on Twitter at AntSanPhilly, at CTarian6, at JoyOnBroad. All of that stuff is in the description of this episode. You can watch this usually after the podcast drops in the podcast feed. It's like a day or so later. It goes up on the Crossing Broad YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Crossing Broad. You can watch the hilarity as it ensues here and unfolds on the podcast. We'll be back next week. We'll see what happens. Who knows? Maybe somebody else will call a press conference or just pop up at some point. Maybe. Maybe Brian Roberts will just show up and sit next to Mike Yo after a game. Maybe Val Camilla will come out and sit next to Travis Konechny. Who knows? Anything could happen. It is the Philadelphia Flyers. Thanks for they listening to Snow the Goalie. <laughs> they still haven't won a game since the passing of Betty White. <laughs> or Louie Anderson. Or Bob, or Bob Saget. Bob Saget. <laughs> this is a really shit start to 2022, guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I think I'm next week.